Hi folks, Wooden Boat Dan here. Just wanted to give you a heads up. The podcast you're about to listen to was recorded several years ago. So some of the phone numbers, email addresses, website, links, and time-sensitive information are no longer valid. Please keep that in mind as you listen. If you'd like to contact me, my email address is woodenboatdan at gmail.com. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Hooked on Wooden Boats, weekly podcast episode number 85. I am your host, Dan Matson, a.k.a. Wooden Boat Dan. If he can do it, well, maybe everybody can. And this is the world's first podcast fully dedicated to celebrating the art, craft, history, tradition, and romance of wooden vessels all over the world. Welcome to the podcast today. Great to have you folks. Uh, Sorry for my stumbling words there. Once in a while that happens and sometimes I re-record and then other times I go, you know what? That's okay. This isn't like (laughs) a worldwide radio show. I'm not the president and it doesn't have to be perfect. So that's the fun thing about podcasting. Anyway, glad that you're with me today. We've got an action-packed podcast as usual. The featured segment today is an interview with Randy Roberts. Randy is a student at the Northwest School of Wooden Boat Building in Port Hadlock, Washington. And Randy started in the program there last October. And when I visited the school a couple weeks ago, I interviewed actually three students. I thought it'd be fun to get their perspective on what it's like to be at the school, what the program's like, and uh, just kind of their thoughts on why they're there and what they're up to and so on. So that's what we've got going today. Randy Roberts, who's actually a retired U.S. military veteran from Colorado, I believe, Okay, moving on here, uh, news and highlights from this past week. My wife and I had the privilege of going on an evening sail on the schooner Zodiac, which I podcasted about in episodes 82 and 83. Uh, The boat is moored in Bellingham, Washington. As you may or may not know, she's 160-foot sparred length. She's a two-masted gaff-rigged topsail schooner. Hey, that wasn't too bad. (laughs) Built in 1924, she was a gift from one of the Johnson & Johnson family brothers to the other brother. Anyway, we got to go out on the boat, had an absolute blast. We had great wind. I would say we were somewhere in the 10 to 20 knots of wind. In fact, they had to reef the mainsail. Just had a blast. It was a little cool, but I'd rather be cool with wind than hot and sitting there hoping that something blows in. So I learned a few new nautical terms. Some of these I'd heard about, but I wasn't really sure what they were. On a tall ship, there's a, you sweat and tail. And I learned the names of all the sails, the main, the fore, the staysail, and the jib. And then if the schooner had topsails, there would be two topsails on it also, which it doesn't at this point. I learned about sealing planking, a belaying pin, a pin rail, 
and some cool stuff. Got to see I was not real helpful in <laughs> helping tack and work with the running rigging on the boat because I was taking videos and pictures, which I'm going to be sharing on Facebook. In fact, if you go to my Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Dan, I put a short video on there of being out on the boat, and I'll be adding some pictures here shortly. So this was the first time I had ever sailed on a wooden schooner, and for my wife also, and we had a great time. It was really fun. We didn't even get rained on, even though it looked like it was going to. Got to meet Captain Tim Mayer, which I hope to interview him and his dad, Carl. And the two of them have been associated with the boat since either the 70s or the 80s. So a long history there and lots of great stories I hope to record on tape here in the near, near future. So this week we have 10 new, whoops, sorry about that. We have 10 new subscribers to the podcast monthly newsletter, which is a record. And I'm going to uh, give a shout out to each of these gentlemen. I don't think there's any gentlewomen on here. Stan Etner, Dave Verbeek, Chris Claude Felter, Denver Codway, Co not Codway, Conway, sorry about that, Denver, Kyle Strumer, Paul Luddington, Barry Schumann, Roger Curtis, Paul Ricketts, and Jeff Ferguson. These guys were brave and bold and signed up for my monthly e-newsletter, which if you haven't signed up yet, it's high time you do. Go to hookedonwoodenboats.com forward slash subscribe. Give me your first and last name and your email address, and then you'll get my monthly newsletter, which I send out around the middle of the month, tell you some of the fun things that are happening at Hooked on Wooden Boats, share some videos and different things, and also gives me a way to connect with you on a more personal level, which I like to do that. So check it out, hookedonwoodenboats.com forward slash subscribe. Let's see the other news here. I mentioned uh, last week or the week before, I'm starting to make some East Coast connections because I want to start doing some phone interviews and get connected with the folks back on the East Coast of the U.S. because there's so much cool stuff going on there. So I've made a couple connections now, and I'm going to be doing some phone interviews, and I'm going to keep you in suspense about who I'm interviewing. Even though I gave one of the names last week, I'm not giving it this name <laughs> this week. So anyway, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, kind of expanding my horizons, and I hope to actually sometime, maybe next year, uh, visit the East Coast and Mystic Seaport and go to Brooklyn, Maine and go to New York to the Antique Boat Society or the Antique Boat Museum and do some fun stuff like that. So looking forward to it. On a more personal note, has nothing to do with boats. I just completed my first social dieting game. Yes, folks, there are social diets out there. <laughs> which I just found out about this like five weeks ago. So I signed up on a site called dietbet.com, and I can say that I successfully am a winner in that game because I lost 4% of my body weight over a four-week period, which ended actually today. So I lost nine pounds. So if you do the math, I weighed 218 starting, and I got down to 209. It worked so well, I think I'm going to sign up again for 50 bucks. 
you put 50 bucks in the pool and then whoever loses 4% of their body weight over a four-week period splits the pool with the other winners. So pretty cool idea. And this pool actually, believe it or not, had almost $40,000 in it. So I'm sure there were a lot of winners. So I'm kind of a math guy. I figured if 43% of the people in the pool win, that I would double my money. But I would say maybe more than that one. So, But the main thing is I lost some weight. I've been trying to lose weight. You know, I've been trying to lose 18 pounds for 18 years, it seems like. I'm actually going to sign up again and try to lose another nine. So, hey, if you're interested, shoot me an email and I'll give you a link to the game I'm going into. Okay, we're going to move on now. No, no more diet stuff. This is all about wooden boats. I can't believe I got sidetracked like that. But hey, you got to mix it up once in a while, right? So if you didn't know by now, uh, let me tell you that this podcast is about getting in the wooden boat game one way or the other. It's just a fun thing to do, and there's lots of ways to do it, and different levels of participation and involvement and different monetary costs of those. It can be as simple as going to a wooden boat festival for 10 bucks and having a blast and seeing some cool boats and getting out on the water. It could be becoming a volunteer on a tall ship in your neighborhood, which there's lots of those programs around now. It could be actually building a small boat and using it, or building a big boat for that matter. Or it could be uh, listening to this podcast every week and getting your fix and hearing about the scamp that I'm going to build and about the canoe that I'm 90% done with still and fun stuff like that. But anyway, it's a real blast. I would encourage you to get in the game. And also, just wanted to note, I am working on my ebook that I mentioned earlier. It's going to be titled, Get in the Wooden Boat Game, Build Your First Boat. And in this book, I'm going to talk about how to go through the decision-making process. I'm having a hard time talking tonight. The decision-making process on what kind of boat you should build, what length boat you should build, what construction method, how long it's going to take, what's it going to cost, should you do stitching glue or carvel planked, should you build out of plywood or lumber, should you build from a kit or from plans or from a table of offsets, or should you design your own. I'm going to answer some of those questions to help people walk through the process of getting to their first boat build, which is an absolute blast. I built my first boat in 1972, and I've built one boat on an average of every eight years since then, so I'm just completing my fifth boat now. So there you have it. We're going to move on now to the interview with Randy Roberts from the Northwest School of Wooden Boat Building. So take it away, Randy. It is April 19, 2013. I am at the Northwest School of Wooden Boat Building in Port Hadlock, Washington, sitting across from Randy Roberts. Randy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. Randy is a student here at the school. He started in October of last year. Uh, Randy, tell me a little bit about yourself, your background, what you were doing for the first few years of your life, and that sort of thing. Well, I'm a retired... uh, Air Force officer. Um, I spent just a little shy of 30 years in the military, and after I retired, uh, my wife and I moved back to Denver, and we stayed there for about eight years, and I was working at various national security-type companies, 
and eventually decided to uh, shake things up, uh, that we were pretty much finished with Denver in terms of what we felt we could get out of it, and we decided to sell our house, put everything in storage, and uh, move up here just so I could attend the school and to potentially look at actually living up in this area. Okay. Now let's back up a little further when you were a kid. Where, where were you as a kid? Were you moving around a lot or one place? Or No, no, I lived in one place. I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Went to Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in the ROTC program, which is what led me into the military. Did you do any boating or woodworking as a kid or young adult type of thing? Yeah. No, except for the very odd, you know, refinish a table kind of kind of thing. Um, my father had a couple degrees. Uh, one of them was in industrial arts that he had gotten prior to World War II before he went overseas. And uh, so he did a little woodworking, but uh, I didn't participate in that mm-hmm. when I was growing up. Were you interested in it, though, or you just uh, not really at the time? You know, I don't think, uh, yeah, I, I think I just had other interests. Yeah. Uh, so right. I, I just, it, it wasn't something I avoided, but it wasn't something I pursued. I see. Okay. So then uh, you were in the Air Force for almost three years. What was your role? What did you do in the Air Force? Well, I started out as a uh, navigator electronic warfare officer. So I flew in B-52s for about uh, five, five years. And then I went to a reconnaissance airplane called the Cobra Ball, uh, an RC-135. And I did that for uh, three and a half years. When I finished with that, I went off to go do staff things, and I got in the intelligence community. And uh, I pretty much stayed in the intelligence community then until I retired. Was that pretty interesting? Oh, it was fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I was uh, what what is considered to be uh, an expert, I guess, in signals intelligence, and so that was kind of my field. Um, uh, so uh, working with the NSA and uh, related agencies. So it was, it was. It was very interesting. took us all over the world. I had the opportunity to be a field commander uh, four times, which is usually a bit rare. Um, wow. So it was, uh, it was quite interesting. I enjoyed, yeah. enjoyed it a lot. Were you involved in any of the wars over the last few years? Or? Uh, only in the sense that uh, the facilities I had, uh, I was a commander of. Uh, we participated in those events, uh, providing uh, information uh, to warfighters. So I, I, in that regard, it was. I, I did not deploy downrange uh, in the theater. Uh, so uh, my role was to really sit back and watched in other ways. Okay. So you're one of those guys that with us civilians see in movies that's doing all this top secret stuff to crack codes and I, I guess figure you out enemy way. signals and all yeah, that. Yeah, sure. I guess you can put it that way. <laughs> Very cool. So uh, that's a pretty big transition from the 30 years of doing that to going to a wooden boat school in Port Hadlock, Washington. Uh, let me ask you this. When did you first hear about the boat school? Um, I actually found it on the internet. Uh, about three years ago, I decided to pursue uh, using my post nine eleven GI Bill, uh, so that was available. Uh, I had for education. For education, I had about three years available. Uh, so I looked into other schools. I had interests in geology and archaeology and oceanography and you know those kind of uh, disciplines, uh, things that I did not take in college and obviously I did not do in the military. But uh, eventually, my wife finally convinced me I probably didn't want to go to school, sit in class, write a bunch of papers. I'd written enough papers in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a master's degree in something else, and, 
And so uh, I ultimately came to the conclusion that I could pursue those things with just simply reading uh, materials um, as a as a as a hobby. The wooden boat uh, uh, school interested me because it would give me an opportunity to work with my hands. I have had an interest in wood my whole life. I, I enjoy very well crafted wood kind of things. My wife and I used to collect antiques, which were by and large wood in in nature. Uh, I do like to sail. Uh, it's something that we started off and on over the last, well, I'd say last uh, probably eight years. Okay. Uh, so we had a chance to go down to the Caribbean a couple times and sail. We sailed in Australia once. And so so that end of it, if you will, the user end of it was of great interest to me. And I thought, well, in the course of doing this, why not learn how these things are put together? So uh, <clears throat> so that's what ultimately drove us here. And, and just doing an Internet search, it, along with two or three other schools, popped up. Uh, but we ultimately decided to come here uh, as opposed to the others. Okay. So what, uh, what wanted your decision to come to this particular school? Well, actually, I would have been here uh, two years ago. But I had a very significant back injury that uh, pretty much left me unable to walk for a couple months. So that put the kibosh on on doing anything, and that would have been uh, that would have been in 2011. And so once I was uh, recovered from that enough to be able to get up and do the things I needed to do, uh, we went ahead. My wife and I talked about it, and then ultimately came to the conclusion that we would sell the house. Uh, the market was improving in Denver, and so we packed up and. Uh, we decided to come up here. I would say that decision was probably ultimately made, well, well over a year ago because we had to go through the whole bit of selling the house. Uh, so easily a year, uh, maybe a year and a few months uh, from this point uh, when we decided to uh, to attend school. Had you ever been out here before to the Seattle area or Port Townsend or... Oh, a little bit. Uh, I, I came out to Seattle a couple times, or let's say to the Washington, Oregon area for, for work a few times. Uh, my brother has a place, uh, a second home down on the Oregon coast, so my wife and I used to come out quite a bit to his place. And uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, I think one of the decisions we made to come here was as much based on, this was one of the few places that we hadn't lived, and... Uh, uh, we thought this would be a pretty interesting way to do it. The GI Bill gave us some opportunity to do that. Um, so uh, ultimately, we came up here really to see whether we like the area, uh, to see if sailing up here is as good as everybody says it is, mm-hmm. and uh, at the same time do a little bit of boat school. Yeah, okay. So uh, had you been up here before you decided? I mean, did you visit the school before you decided to attend? I'm just curious. Uh, Right. We came up one time. Oh, you did? Okay. Uh, probably a year ago, October. Um, in fact, I would have been up here that previous year before, but that's when this whole back thing was evolving. So we came up, uh, I think, overnight, uh, a year ago, October, and uh, visited the school and uh, spent a night in Port Townsend. Of course, it was one of those October days to absolutely die for. Oh, really? I, 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 I mean, you're walking around and going, my gosh, this place is paradise. It's uh, just like Hawaii is 15 degrees cooler, right? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and we'd lived in England a couple times before, so okay. we were a little concerned it would be like England, where it's pretty much the way it is today, very overcast and rainy, and, yeah. and it stays like that for months at a time. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we found that's not true. 
uh, around the Port Townsend area. Yeah. So we did. We did look around. Um, we haven't completely committed to uh, buying uh, or, or putting down roots here, though my wife is insisting we go look at a couple of houses this weekend. Oh, really? So, uh, so you may do that. So we know. Yeah, but you're knows? renting in the area right now? We are. Yeah. We are yeah. In, in Port Townsend. Okay. So back to the school then. You started October of last year. Are you in a nine or 12-month program? Right now I'm in the nine-month program. Okay. And, and that I did that for a few reasons. Uh, one of them was I didn't know physically uh, what I could do till I, till I started on it. Uh, the second uh, part was just to see if I really had an interest in finishing uh, out the, the full year. Uh, I'm really interested in boat interiors. I, I think that's, to me, that's as much where the artwork comes in as, as much as the outside of the boat. Um, but right now I'm still considering whether I'm going to do that or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, the school operates in modules, is that right? Kind of like a three-month modules kind of thing? Or? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it's under what I would call quarter system. Quarters, okay, quarters, yeah. So you start in October to December, and that's just what I call woodworking 101. Here's your tools. Here's a couple projects. Don't cut your fingers off. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. And then after the Christmas break, uh, one comes back and goes into one of three tracks, either traditional small boat, traditional big boat, or uh, uh, contemporary. Uh, those courses last through mid-June, and then there's a break for a couple weeks. And then if one is on the 12-month course, then you can pick up one of two tracks, either repair and restoration, or the other track is uh, uh, interior uh, installation, development installation. So the second part is two quarters long, in the large craft, small craft, and contemporary? Yeah. Yes. I see. Yes. Now, which one of those are you in? Uh, I'm in the small craft. Okay. <clears throat> Which is over here in the Western Building. Yeah, so how did you pick that? Well, I actually started in large craft uh, because I had an interest in more in sailing large craft. But as I went through the course, it became obvious to me that to really understand how a wooden boat is designed, lofted, and built, uh, at least for me, uh, I was going to have to do it a bunch of times. Mm. And so the small boat is really the way to do that because in the course of doing the small boat uh, track... You can build anywhere from four to six, maybe even seven boats, if, if you have a class that's fast enough. So we've had the opportunity to uh, not only uh, pick up boats from, from just simply a design all the way up through construction, but we've also had the opportunity to take two boats that were uh, donated to the school and actually finish them off because either they were in disrepair or they had not been finished from previous classes. So we're in the course of doing uh, uh, all of that right now, which gives students an opportunity to kind of inject themselves into a particular portion of construction and then maybe on one boat and then once you finish that project, maybe disengage and then go into another boat and do another part of the project. So things are not what I would describe as very linear in the sense that Okay, you three guys are going to go over here and build that boat. You're going to start all the way from lofting all the way through uh, finished construction. Instead, we we uh, we go back and forth uh, between projects. Part of that is based on desire. Part of that is uh, of the individual. Part of that is based on the need to finish a particular portion of a boat so we can keep the projects moving along. I see. Okay. What uh, particular boats have you worked on so far? 
Well, in the first course, uh, in the 101 course, if you will, uh, they every class or every section builds a flat bottom skiff. So that was the first one that we built. We built an Atkins Scandal, uh, which was a fun, fun Atkins project. Atkins Scandal? A scandal is the name of the boat. Uh, right now, we are in the middle of working on a uh, Sid Skiff, a Davis-designed workboat, a boat for the BBC, uh, specifically uh, a project the BBC has uh, contracted with the school to build three boats, actually, uh, to replicate John Wesley Powell's ride down to Colorado in 1869. And so the small craft are building the smaller of the three boats. And then we have a Grandy-style uh, boat that we are working on right now, which is a lap strake. All the others were Carvel. Uh, well, I'll take that back. The Sid Skiff was also... Uh, a, uh, was lap straight, but it was pretty much already, uh, the, the planks were already installed. We've done mostly the interior work and the sail work on it. I see. So have you learned a ton of stuff? I have learned more than, in fact, I tell people I probably get more out of this than the rest of them do because many folks, I think, show up here with some skills, maybe some background, um, uh, and shall I say maybe even youthful enthusiasm that, uh, they can really go at it. Uh, for somebody like me, it's been, you know, it's a little harder um, for a wide variety of reasons. Uh, but when I think back to the first day of October, when, for example, we go around to class and say, what do you want to get out of this and what's your woodworking experience? And, of course, my statement was, well, if we count today, uh, I would say one day. And so for me, it's all been, it's all been uphill. Uh, for some guys, that's that's not quite so true. They've either worked on boats, they've sailed on bigger boats where they might have had to do construction issues, or uh, maybe they've already been working in a shop of one fashion or another, so have some experience with the tools. So how did you answer that question that day about what you wanted to get out of this school? Uh, I personally uh, said that I was here just to... Uh, to gain more of these skills that I didn't have, and I was very excited to work with with the other people in the room. Um, I didn't know any of them at, at that point, uh, but in the course of listening to them all also say what they wanted to do, uh, I realized it was going to be quite a different group of people, uh, maybe than what I was used to uh, uh, used to associating with. So uh, I said, I'm just here to enjoy myself and, and learn some things and. Ultimately, I really want to just be sailing. But <laughs> <laughs> So do you plan on building your own boat when you get out of here? You know, I don't think so. Uh, what I might do are, is build maybe smaller, like uh, uh, kayaks, uh, maybe something like that. What I feel like I can do with this, if others decide to go do that, and I've got uh, one friend here who has been interested in potentially doing that, obviously I can help him then because I'll have a fair amount of the skills and the understanding of what needs to happen. Uh, I, I, because of physical limitations and, and uh, I think my desire to ultimately be on the water sailing rather than building a boat for three years, uh, I think probably if I weigh those two together, being on the boat sailing is would be my preference. Yeah. <laughs> do you have your own sailboat right now? Or? I do not. Uh, I've been looking, so if you know of one, and I suspect if your listeners, uh, if I was say this, I'm looking for a you know, 30, 32-foot gaff rig cutter. So, oh, really? Uh, wooden, uh, preferably in 
turnkey up and turnkey shape. So if somebody's got something. Uh, wow! Let me know. That sounds like an awesome boat. <clears throat> yeah, I think it would be. Uh, I, I've never sailed it. Well, I've sailed a gaff rig once, but it was with a whole bunch of other people. Yeah. Uh, but I think it would be really interesting, and I would really, really like to be able to get over here into the San Juans and spend significant time sailing around. Right. Right. Uh, if we don't do that, uh, we've looked at day sailors of, of one fashion or another uh, but when you look at kind of weather today you think geez it'd be really nice to have a little cut if you were going to be out in this stuff <laughs> yeah exactly otherwise you're just going to get soaked yeah so tell me one of your favorite things about the school here for you personally um I, I think it's really learning to use the tools in a competent way and the satisfaction that comes out of ultimately mastering or at least being competent enough to, to use the tool. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is to really craft something and then be able to stand back and look at it and realize that, that, that one understood how to, how to lay it out, how to design it, lay it out and then which tool to use with it, and then actually use that tool and produce something that is uh, reasonably close to what, what the designer would have, would have wanted. Uh, it, is, it is a bit of a struggle for me. I, I don't mind confessing that. I, it's, <clears throat> things seem to come a little slower to me, probably because my mind just doesn't think in the terms of, of a builder as maybe other folks do. So for me, it's every little victory is a good victory. Uh, because, and then they're probably small compared to many other people. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, uh, I, I've got great satisfaction out of, out of learning uh, to use those tools without either hurting myself or someone else. Or, yeah, or, uh, and those can be used for a lot of different purposes, not just wooden boats. Probably. They can be, and and I do have some interest in in uh, constructing furniture uh, of one fashion or another, maybe kitchen cabinets, that kind of thing. Yeah. So you're exactly right that the skills can uh, transition over. And I would say the other thing is that there's a, I think every profession has it that ultimately, as you gain experience, what you really come away with is a sense of of um, how to solve problems. Um, I had it in the airplane. I had it in the military. Uh, in fact, in, in the jets, we would call it air sense. That with enough experience, you just kind of knew what to do next. Uh, I find that I'm still developing that here, and that's probably one of my biggest challenges to the school is that my mind just doesn't think in, in the solution space like it should. And it can be frustrating at times because I would very because I'm used to knowing what I'm doing and how to do it and not having to ask somebody. Uh, so it's it's something I I've just got to work on of thinking how do I solve this problem. Uh, having said that, the instructors are outstanding. Um, Jeff Hammond is the instructor I had in the first course, and I also have Jeff now for the uh, uh, for the small small craft. Jeff is very accommodating. He, he tolerates all of my questions, especially when I ask him to show me for the fourth time how to do something, and he just smiles, and we make a little joke about it, and you know, away we go. <laughs> so uh, that, that has uh, also been the other side of that, what's, what's enjoyable. So it's, that's like a big part of really what you're learning here is problem-solving and building stuff with wood. I would say that's absolutely true. Yeah. Uh, and part of the reason is because my mind tends to work in a place as, and the military again trained me to, to think this way, in that 
every every function, every task has a certain way that it should be done. So there's a standardization, there's a checklist, if you will, do this and then this and that and then something else. That's not so much what I'm finding in boat building. And I think that's what's been one of my challenges is to sort out how do I how do I do something with this? Because it is not just a checklist. And, and that's probably where I get frustrated because I'm told, well, kind of do it this way and sort of do that. And then, you know, you have to lay it out this way. But then when you do it, you find out it's not it's not perfect in the way that you can lay it out. There's something, there's some other challenge that goes with it. Yeah. And it's that next little bit of how do I solve that problem is I think what the school ultimately will train people in is how to solve some of those problems that have multiple solutions. Uh, you just have to figure out which is the one that works for you and which one might be the easiest in terms of construction time, money, uh, materials, whatever your whatever your criteria might be uh, as you're actually building a project. Right. I think the thing that's interesting about boat building is each boat that's built is unique. Even if it's the same boat as you built last time, it's all unique. Every piece of wood is a little different. Uh, it's going to be screwed or riveted together differently. Uh, it's just not going to be exactly the same. It has its own personality. And uh, I think that's kind of what makes it fun. Yeah, I, I would say that's true. And one could build the molds, for example, and you could keep the molds um, and build multiple versions of, of the same boat. Uh, but the wood that you have might be a little drier than the last boat you built, so it might not lay down exactly right uh, or, or exactly the same. Uh, one might make some mistakes, uh, which is very common. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've done some of those myself. <laughs> as you would expect in a school, even the instructors make mistakes. And, and, yeah. and I think it's really good of them to be very open about that. Uh, you know, Jeff will go, oh, geez, I turned that around. I should have done it the other way. <clears throat> and so that helps give confidence to the rest of us that there is no perfect in wooden boat building. Yeah. You, want, you want to try to achieve perfect, but to get there is almost impossible. And it was it was uh, something I had to come to grips with, as Jeff said to me in my first midterm. He said, "Randy, leave your Type A personality at the door. Just come on in and have fun." <laughs> uh, and so, so I was able to do that. Uh, in fact, that was very good guidance. I thought so. I I, I accomplished what I accomplished. Uh, one of the one of the challenges I think, if one is overly competitive. You might have a tendency to be to try to keep up with other people, mm. and I've now learned I can't do that. I go at the speed I go. I get done what I get done. Yeah. At the end of the day, as you asked me earlier, I, I have learned a tremendous amount, and I think very much like when one gets your pilot's license, they'll tell you many times, this is simply now your license to learn. And I think when you finish with the school, that's what it really is. It's it's a it's a degree or it's an education format that gives you enough information that you can pursue other uh, related kinds of activities if you want to. If you want to go build furniture, uh, one would think it's a lot easier to build furniture that's squared off than it is to build things that curve all over the place, like boats. Right. So it's, uh, it's got a lot of applicability, certainly outside yeah. of this, this realm. Well, let's wrap it up with one other question here, Andy. For those that are listening that maybe uh, you've piqued their interest about coming to this school or a, another wooden boat school, uh, what would you say to those people? 
I would say uh, understand why you want to come to the school and then do it. Uh, one of the things that uh, for me as an older guy uh, was physical limitations and can I keep up with younger people and, and is this really what I want to do? What I discovered was sometimes that uh, as long as you have enough of an interest to want to pursue it, where it takes you in the future, you really don't know. And I would, and my guidance would be, don't even worry about it. Mm. Just take it one day at a time, come on in, talk with the people that are both the instructors and with your fellow students. Uh, you will teach them as much as they will teach you because we all have different experiences. And just try to find a way to blend in with the group, but ultimately keep in mind what really is of interest to you and then pursue that. Uh, you know, in America today, it's a problem. Uh, obviously, the economy has not been what it, what it would have been before, and a lot of people worry about coming up here. Uh, this, the school is very accommodating as far as helping folks out as much as they can in terms of tuition, uh, places to live, and tool expenses, and those kind of things. So all of those problems have been identified by the school, and I think in most cases they have very good solutions. So ultimately, if it's something you want to pursue, if not now, win. Very cool. Well, I'm a little jealous that you're attending and I'm not right now. Well, come on over. I, I think they've got applications right around the corner and you can sign I up know. tomorrow. I wish I could. I've got some other obligations to take care of right now, but maybe someday. That's on my bucket list. So anyway, appreciate your time today, Randy. Uh, best of luck to you at the school and I'll let you get back to your boat class. So take care. Okay, very good. Thank Thanks you. I enjoyed it. Okay. Randy, thanks for taking the time to do the interview. It was fun sitting down with you and talking about what's happening at the school, what it's like to be a student, and what you expect to do when you get all done with this. So thanks again for doing that. Really appreciate it. Okay, I'd love it if you would connect with me on email, dan at hookedonwoodenboats.com. Subscribe to my e-newsletter, which is hookedonwoodenboats.com forward slash subscribe. You can leave comments on my blog. Uh, so in case you didn't know, the way this works each week when I publish the podcast on Thursday, I write a blog post on my website and I have pictures and the links and things like that. So I would encourage you to check that out. At the bottom of the, those are called show notes. At the bottom of the show notes, there's places where you can leave comments if you'd like to. There's also a button on the right side of my website where you could leave me a voicemail. If you had a question or wanted to give me some feedback, I'd love to hear from you. If you have ideas of people I could interview, especially if you know somebody personally that you know would be willing to be interviewed in the wooden boat world, that would be cool. So lots of ways to connect there. If you go to facebook.com forward slash woodenboatdan, you can find me on Facebook. And I'm starting to get a little more active there with showing some photos and videos and things of some of the stuff I've been doing, which is pretty cool. If you do make purchases from Amazon or Jamestown Distributors, if you make it through my link, I get paid a small commission. That would be hookedonwoodenboats.com forward slash Amazon. And the other link would be hookedonwoodenboats.com forward slash JD for Jamestown Distributors. Thanks for doing that. Also, there's a tab on my site called Store. If you click on that, it takes you to my Cafe Press site where you can buy t-shirts, hats, mugs, 
Oh, what else can you buy? Bumper stickers, lots of fun stuff. So check that out if you get a chance also. Okay, we're going to wrap it up with that, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Get in the game if you're not in. Because really, folks, there's more in than out now, I think. I haven't taken any polls lately, but I, the numbers are growing and people are having fun. So get in, get in on the action. Have a great week. Keep the bright side up and the barnacled side down. Wooden Boat Dan over and out till we talk again next week. And God bless. Take care.